The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Suns are eliminated from the playoffs in the exact same way that Luka did them, where they were down 30 at halftime? Yes, sir. Speaking of closeout games, Doc Rivers blew another one against the Boston Celtics. We talk about Chuck and Shaq's Anthony Davis jokes after Game 5 uh, between the Dubs and the Lakers. We discuss the All-NBA list, Bronny James's new teammate, and what the fuck is happening with Jordan Poole? Nick, let's get right into it. Let's drop that beat that should be Rihanna. So this is going to be a short show because the playoffs uh, make it really hard for us to stay completely current on things because there are games happening pretty much every night, and then we don't want things to be dated. First off, let's start with the Suns. Like, what the fuck was that? Like, what was that? Did you you guys watch the Suns? Did you watch the first quarter? The first quarter looked pretty good at first, and then all of a sudden you go and get a drink, and it's a 17-0 run by the Denver Nuggets. They put up, I think, 40-something points on the Suns in Phoenix. Last year, it was the Mavericks. This year, it's the Nuggets. What do they have in common? Both teams were up 30 at halftime. It was disgusting. Katie summed it up best. He said, it was an embarrassment. It was. If you watch more than five minutes, that's about as good a word as any, really. The Suns looked slow. They, I mean, did all the Suns get COVID again? No DeAndre Ayton. No Chris Paul. And they looked slow uninterested, and overmatched. New owner Matt Ishbia has got to be pissed off because he spent so many assets and so much money for this team. They should be elite with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, but they are not. We know that. This team has an Aiton problem. He was scratched with a rib injury, but boy, oh boy, does that look suspicious. And the fans were not happy. A lot of questions in the offseason about Monty Williams, about James Jones, about DeAndre Ayton, about everyone not named Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. As for the Nuggets, man, they they look really good. They look like they are firing on all cylinders. Jokic is unstoppable. Uh, Another European that waxes the Suns in a closeout game. Uh, Jamal Murray channeling his best bubble version of himself. MPJ is staying healthy. I think with those three, it's really going to be hard to see who beats them, honestly. But... The playoffs have told us one thing. Do not even try to predict what's happening. We are, though, setting the stage for 
a potential exact bubble uh, Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals, which would be Boston versus Miami and Denver versus LA, which would be just a blast from the past. Insane. Uh, out east, the Sixers, they had a, uh, they had a golden opportunity uh, to put down the Celtics. Jason Tatum was uh, three and a half quarters, the worst player on planet Earth. He was, I'm not joking, he was one for 13 halfway through the fourth quarter. But the problem was the Sixers couldn't hit a shot either, and the game at one point I think was tied, 83-83. Don't quote me on that. It was right around there. It was two points or less right up until the time that Tatum hit a corner three and it woke up. I said to myself right then, he saw one go in, it is curtains. And what did he do? He scored 15 of the last 17 points in the back half of the fourth quarter, including four straight threes, all the while the Sixers couldn't buy a bucket. So now, at this point, Doc is 17-32 and 32 in closeout games in his career, including just 6-15 and 15 in his past 21. Do we, can we like properly appreciate how bad that is? That's, like that is outrageous. The memes on Twitter right now are devastating. My favorite one was Doc Rivers. Uh, it was a, a picture, two pictures of a man. One, a man with a big giant platter. And it said underneath, hope you're hungry. And then the second photo was the man pulling the platter off and the platter was empty. And it was like, for nothing. I hope you're hungry for nothing. <laughs> How can you have any semblance of confidence in the Sixers knowing what he does, what Doc Rivers' history is, going into game seven, and Bede was out into the media saying, hey, by the way, I, the MVP of the NBA, did not touch the ball in the last four minutes of the game. How does that happen? I don't know. No idea. Very bad schematics. Also, Embiid, like you're the MVP. Maybe you should call for the ball. Maybe you should take a timeout and say, hey, feed me. So unless Doc Rivers can find a rabbit out of the hat for game seven, we're probably looking at the exact bubble scenario that we got in 2020. Heat Celtics and Nuggets Lakers, Western Conference Finals. Time to party like it's a pandemic all over again. Uh, on to Golden State, L.A. Um, our dubs came back, put on a show for game five. It was a Steph masterclass. Even though he wasn't scoring, he was assisting like crazy. Jordan Poole finally showed up in this series. GP2 was so committed to his contributions to the team, he actually threw up in his mouth and wouldn't spit it out on the floor. He just kept playing the rest of the sequence until he could find some sort of throw-up bucket on the sidelines. And then, of course, Looney, as per usual, was a beast. And I think a little too beastie, if you uh, ask any L.A. Laker person. This is what happened. Midway through the fourth quarter, uh, Kevon Looney battled for a rebound. And coincidental for the second straight series, remember he got uh, Sabonis in the eyeball on a jump ball, got him bruised, looked like he had a black eye. Looney's elbow in this particular case made vicious contact with the head of another team starting center. This time, it was Anthony Data Davis. Looney's elbow hit him what looked like it was supposed to be in the nose. It looked like it was at first point, but upon further slow motion, he actually got him with his elbow or forearm bone directly in the temple. And uh, what happened next has created 
Like, some of the nastiest media conversation I think I've seen around the NBA. Like, it's just horrible. Uh, it's, it's despicable. Uh, AD didn't return to the game. He was evaluated by doctors. He looked really shaken up, as per usual, but wobbly in a way that is not per usual. He actually left the floor to the locker room, uh, did not come back to the game, and he left the game in a wheelchair. After the game, Chuck and Shaq seemed to find that uh, hilarious. I wasn't expecting, honestly, you know, I wasn't game five, six, whatever it is, the Lakers to win tonight. Because both teams, Lakers and Golden State, they've been inconsistent all year. They haven't been able to string together games that you go, this is a game they should win. This is how they should get it done. So, you know, game six, these guys, man. I know what they're laughing about. I think I do too, but what are you laughing about? You know what they're laughing about. I'm laughing at Chuck. I know what they're laughing at. You understand. Chuck is over there crumbling up paper. That's why I was laughing. That's not what I'm going to I'm laughing at Chuck. Tell the truth. They understand. Stop it, man. Stop it. Ernie, don't let us go there. Because if we go there, it'll never stop. It'll never stop. Ernie, we need to go to that next game. Quickly. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, man. Oh, Lord, tell me, give me your takeaway from the game. This is dirty work. This is nasty. This is nasty work. Let's be real. Something doesn't feel right to me about cracking up hysterically about Anthony Davis getting wheelchaired off the court. It doesn't take much to concuss a brain when you get elbow in the fucking temple, folks. You don't need to get hard hit that bad. Uh, for you to be fucked up. And yes, I have called Anthony day-to-day Davis, day-to-day Davis for a long time. But you know what we're not going to Here's what we're not going to do. Make fun of brain injuries. That's foul. Then, of course, you've got Stephen A. making jokes like this. Sometimes we just can't help it. We got to let it go. Because, damn it, I'll be damned if I wasn't laughing. The, the, the th- I'm like, concussion? Concussion? I thought the NFL season was over. Now, I understand that concussions can happen in other sports, boxing, UFC. And I mean, if the collision is fierce enough, I guess it could happen in basketball, too. But damn. Do you see Molly being like, hey, you guys are fucked up in the game. Concussions are serious. They do not care. Yes, yes, that's why they were dying. A wheelchair? A wheelchair? Really? Brian Windhorst, also trying to be an adult. I've seen concussions with less. Somehow, they do not give a fuck. They go on for another 40 seconds laughing at Anthony Davis. Listen, Stephen A., he didn't get hit by a guy the size of Aaron Donald. He got hit by a guy bigger than Aaron Donald. Did you see what Demonis Sabonis looked like after being in the trenches with Looney? He looked like one of... Tyson's early opponents after the first round. Just ground beef, stewed up, purple. So I understand that there's now no chance that Anthony Davis doesn't play in game six. And people are saying that there's some sort of conspiracy theory about Anthony Davis's concussion. Let's just not. Let's just, jo- let's just joke about other things. The dude was woozy. They don't bring wheelchairs out for no reason unless you're Paul Pierce and you have to poop something vicious. I have to say, 
it leads me to this point. I think I'm done. I think I'm I think I am done uh, watching NBA content on ESPN. I just and maybe TNT, probably not TNT. It's trash. NBA content so much more trash compared to NFL content. The NFL product so much b- worse. Like the NFL product is so heinous in terms of what is at stake and the player safety and but the way that their media members talk about the sport is second to none. NBA media right now in general feels like a clown show. When an NFL player gets carted off the field, do you see anyone laughing? No. Do they minimize it? No. They fucking do not. Why is Anthony Davis being brained by an elbow to the temple something that everyone finds to be hilarious? I don't know. Maybe because when you think of Anthony Davis getting brought out in a wheelchair, you think it's just another one of his antics. This just isn't that. It doesn't appear. NBA is technically a non-contact league, but NBA media doesn't take injuries like very seriously at all. I it, I don't. This is not a joke. Draymond Green summed it up best. Just don't play with those head injuries. They're serious. I saw a lot of people laughing and talking. This is a hit to the head. One small hit to the head can change everything in your life. So I don't I don't really understand the joke. I don't understand it at all. You're risking your life, and one injury can change everything. I don't understand the laughing. Why it's so funny? Yeah. Even Draymond Green, I don't understand why it's funny. I don't either. I really don't. I don't get it. I want to make jokes. I want things to be funny. This is not that. This is an elbow to the temple. And as much as I like to make fun of Anthony Davis's skin of paper and bones of glass, this is just a little too close to home, if you know what I mean. Let's move on. What is happening with Jordan Poole? What's going on? Reports are now coming out about his locker room demeanor, and it paints this fascinating portrait of just how divisive he is, both on the court and, I think, to team chemistry. First, Tim Kawakami, who covers the Warriors for The Athletic, noted that Poole, who was facing away from the reporting pool after Game 4, wouldn't speak until Tim Kawakami left. Guess he has beef with him. Then, according to NBC's Kareth Berth, he was in that interview, how shall we say, salty? Surly? Burke wrote, the visitor's locker room was really cramped, so when the music went off, all the other players were listening as well, and it was like all eyes and ears were on Jordan Poole right there. It just heightened the tension. I was like, Jordan, we know your work ethic is good. When you feel like you're in a little bit of a funk, when things don't seem normal, what are you doing? Are you getting back into the gym? And he said, well, my work ethic doesn't change. My routine doesn't change. Maybe opportunity changes, but you can only control what you can control. So the frustration, very clear, is coming through Jordan. That's just the beginning, though. Tons of articles have dropped in the last two days about Poole being a liability to the point where he got 10 minutes and 23 minutes in the past two games. He's averaging 5.5 points per game in both. Remember, he got a lot of money in the offseason. A video went around showing all of his defensive performances in game four. Boy, is it damning. He gave very little effort on the defensive side. He scored zero points on offense during that time. No wonder he got benched. And now he's getting murdered by other team execs piling on. And another anonymous Eastern Conference NBA exec said this about Jordan Poole in his... 
Bleacher Report article. He's empty calories. It doesn't get much worse than being compared to a little Debbie snack cake. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Little Debbie snack cakes are not something that you compare to a basketball player. Uh, not one that's making as much as Jordan Poole is making. Another executive said he doesn't defend. He doesn't really create for others. And that Draymond Green incident wasn't a great look for either of them. The intel on Poole and his presence in the locker room isn't great. How much trade value has Jordan Poole lost in this last nine months? It would seem like a lot. But, you know, we all we know that there are always teams that are interested in a microwave 20-point-a-game guy off the bench. So no matter how little defense they play, ask Jamal Crawford. He was a bucket, and he got paid for a really long time. One thing seems clear. Something's got to give. And if the Warriors lose this series to the Lakers, and for the record, I don't think that they will, there will be changes going forward. Because another season of Poole and Draymond as teammates just does not seem like a good idea to anyone, and especially Jordan Poole. All right, let's move on. Uh, The time has finally come. The all-NBA lists are out. Let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of the 2022-2023 all-NBA teams. First team. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Second team, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, and Jalen Brown. Third team, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Julius Randle, Julius Randle, and Damanis Sabonis. The good. Damanis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox making All-NBA is good. They deserved it. I was wondering if they were going to get snubbed from the list, but as playoff teams that they playoff teams that they were on, I think that that was the deciding factor. This is the exact type of justice that we need in basketball. They become the first Kings duo to make the All-NBA team in the Sacramento era and the second in franchise history behind Oscar Robinson and John Lucas in 1967. So very, very good stuff there. Dame being on the All-NBA list, also good. Uh, Even though the team he was on and is on is trash, he was the only player not in the playoffs to make All-NBA. I think he absolutely deserves it. He was incredible. He was putting up 60 points night after night after night, giving us dazzling performance over dazzling performance. You could argue, actually, I think, that Dame probably should have been first team over Luka. The statistics between Luka and Dame aren't really that different besides rebounds. Dame's got a better true shooting percentage. Dame has averaged the same amount of points and assists as Luka over that year. And let's be honest, both of them didn't make the playoffs. I think Dame should have been first team. LeBron making All-NBA was also good. Even though he was injured, he's been balling. He is looking better than ever. He absolutely deserves it. He could have made first team very easily as well if this Lakers team was the roster that they have right now that they had in the beginning of the year, I think he would have been first-team All-NBA. Another good thing, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I was worried that OKC would not get the love that they deserved, but they have. Shea should have absolutely been first-team All-NBA. He balled out. He brought OKC to a play-in game. They look like their future is very bright. He led the team in, in led the league excuse me, in points in the paint along with played incredible defense on the other end as well. Shea is so good. Absolutely should have been first-team All-NBA. 
another good thing, Jalen Brown making All-NBA. Now he's going to get his bag. We were wondering, there were some whispers whether he would actually make All-NBA. Remember his teammate, Jason Tatum, got snubbed from All-NBA when there was contract implications for him. So now Jalen Brown's bag is secured. Let's go to the bad. Jaw, Jaw's little shotgun Willie's trip kind of fucked him out of $30 million, didn't it? Didn't it? He misses all NBA altogether. Bad? Yes. Uh, he definitely deserved basketball standpoint. All NBA, but totally understandable. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is pissed. He didn't make first team either uh, after putting up crazy stats this year, making the Cavs uh, a playoff team for the first time in a long time. And by the way, the Mavs didn't even make the play-in, so he tweeted what I think a lot of people thought, which was fuck out of here with all that. Anthony Davis was snubbed. Of course, he was injured at times. But when he wasn't injured, he was one of the best players in the NBA, especially without Braun. He was dominant. He easily could have been third-team All-NBA over someone in the front court, which is what we'll talk about in just a second. Let's get into the ugly. There is no way Julius Randle should be on this list. He was good, statistically good, had some big shots and some big moments in the regular season. But let's be real. There were not front court players like Bam who could have made it. I know Miami was largely trash for the regular season, but damn. Julius Randle? And then the last thing that was ugly to me. Why, why, why is Devin Booker not on this list? Why do people keep slandering Devin Booker? Why do they pretend like he does not play basketball at an elite level in order to make this list? He's one of the best two-way players in the league. He's put up ungodly stats all year. Yes, he got injured. People are, have always pretended Devin Booker's great, greatness wasn't real. On his team, when he was really good and they were uh, like a lottery team, there was like, oh, his team's not good, his stat pats. On, and now it's like, oh, the team is good, but his stats aren't real. Let's be real. Devin Booker should have been first team over Luka or Tatum. That's just real. Let's move on. Let's move on outside of the all-NBA list. I want to talk about some college hoops for just a second. This is sort of NBA-related because a year from now, we'll all be talking about where he is going to play pro basketball, but Bronny James, as we know, made a decision on where he wants to play college ball. As we know, Bronny announced on Saturday that he is he's staying home. He's staying home. He's going to the college of USC, the University of Spoiled Children. He, that is, I think, a little bit of a, a surprise considering that a lot of people thought he was going to go to either Ohio State, where LeBron James is from, which would be horrible. That would make no sense. Or go to Oregon because of Nike University. But now, Bronny James can stay at home with his parents or, like, have a condo somewhere, probably a nice one nearby. He can be at the $25 million uh, Bel Air home. He, Bron can attend most of his home, home games. I'm sure they'll correspond with when LeBron James and the Lakers play in L.A. Let's be real. USC just went to the tournament. They're a good team now. They're returning good players. They've got Boogie Ellis at the point guard spot. He averaged 18-4-3, 1.4 steals per game. They've got Kobe Johnson, who's like an athletic 2-3. He brings, you know, pretty good production, two steals per game, 9-5-3. He goes back to the Trojans. And the latest news, though, about this is very interesting to me. DJ Rodman also going to USC on a transfer. 
DJ, if you're wondering, stands for Dennis Jr., a.k.a. Dennis Rodman's son, is coming to play basketball with LeBron James's son. Wild age disparity between Dennis Rodman and LeBron James and their kids being the same age, but I cannot wait to see that courtside view. Um, DJ averaged 10 and 6 last year at Washington State. So now you have Bronny and Rodman playing at USC, and you also have Kobe Bryant's oldest daughter, who's a sophomore at USC as well, not an athlete, all on campus at the same time. Who's next? Well, because USC is clearly the place to be right now if you're a child of someone famous and Bronny and Rodman are going to make sure a ton of other people coming west. My best guess as the next domino, Justin Pippen, Scotty's son, who just played with Bron J Bronny James at Sierra Canyon and currently hasn't picked a team yet. We are going to be talking a lot of USC hoops, most likely here on the Heat Check. Probably get out to see a game too. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back uh, Tuesday morning with an all-new episode as we head into the conference finals. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes, which drop almost every single day. And follow the Heat Check as the playoffs are in full swing. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one of them. And follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Tristan Trick on Twitter.